Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast with Melanie Dawn and Tanya Ryan. Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Podcast. It's Tanya and I have a guest with me today. Um, This is, okay, so actually I'm about to introduce you. I, you're in my phone as Steph Westros. So I do, are we Stephanie Rose? What Actually, I this is so. See, I'm off to a great start. I can't even introduce you by name. Uh, my name is Stephanie Rose. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, so Stephanie Rose is with me today. Um, and if you don't know Steph, okay, so here's this is what I'll do. I'll introduce you the way I perceive you, and then I'll I'll let you interject the way that you wish to be perceived. Um, but Stephanie is a really, really fantastic photographer and videographer. And I don't know if those, again, are the titles that you would use. I just am kind of, that's what I see you doing is making these like incredible, uh, like content for people's businesses and helping people with content and creating a business strategy. And I also see you as like my Instagram feed hype girl. So like when you're on there, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I can do good things here. Like, so uh, that's my really crass interpretation of what you do. Please make amends here though. What would, how should the people know you? Um, I love the Instagram hype girl. Yes. Um, Basically (laughs) my entire mission is to help people, but especially women make money doing something that they actually give a shit about and doing it in a way that feels good and not yucky. I love that. That's what I do. Okay. So the other thing I noticed about your feed, uh, like content wise as an observer, and it's, I don't know if I'm like vibing this out exactly. Um, but I feel like your, have you had any sort of, situations or like you feel polarizing to me like so if someone's like you're either going to come into someone's feed and they're going to be like yes and like jump on the hype train or they're going to be like no like almost does that make sense yes and have you have you had experiences around that oh yeah and that's kind of how I run my business is I want the people who love me to stay and the people who don't to just bugger off because we're not a good fit anyways So at the beginning, when I wasn't so sure in myself and exactly what I was saying, and I was like being a little polarizing, I would get a lot of like hate messages and it like really threw me off. And now that I just say what I fucking say, the people who are offended, they just leave instead of trying to fight me because they're like, well, I'm not going to win. So I'm out. But it works really good because I used to have clients that weren't a good fit and then we'd have trouble. And I'd be like, why am I sucking at my business? And now, the people that I work with, they fucking love me before we even start. So it works really good. And if they're not into the style of thing that I like, they don't stick around. So it's really helped me like hone in my business and like my niche of who I want to work with, like in a major, major way, because now I'm working with people who like that vibe, who want that kind of thing. They don't necessarily want the same kind of content I have, but they like that I'm straightforward. They like that I say it like it is. Like every time I do any kind of coaching, I'm just like, listen, this is what it is. You can whine or you can grow. Those are the options. <laughs> so I, was there like a period of, was it just like a, a mindset shift or did you have to go through like some actual intentional steps around? Cause I feel like if, like if I were me and you're getting the hate messages and whatever, um, 
that there's like a level of buttheartedness there, right? Like that I would be like, oh, don't don't throw hate at me. I'm a nice person, you know, whatever it is. And then um, so did you kind of transform? Was there a process to getting over the hate or getting past the transformation or uh, sorry, past the like basically was there a transformation process in getting to the what you the attitude that you have now versus where you were? Definitely. So most of that was like internal work of figuring out who I was and like that I actually liked myself. So most of that, especially because, you know, I've had this business for seven years and I've been online for a long time. And so like my entire identity shifted quite publicly. And that was super hard because I was still like really brand new in my new self and trying to show it. And people were like, they could tell that I wasn't totally sure. And I think the vibe was like, oh, she doesn't know. Like, let's, let's get in here and attack this person, especially because, you know, people are bigots and assholes. So like they attacked me for my sexual identity, but it felt like they were attacking all parts of me, right? Like my work and everything. So is the more sure I got in myself, the better it got, the more brave I got in saying what I actually wanted, not like half of what I wanted to say. That also helped. And also like the less bucks I gave about what people said, like now I don't even open messages for randos. I just block and delete. I'm like, okay. I used to like open them and look and be like, oh my God, I wonder how they found me. And I wonder who they are and why do they care? And now I'm like, whatever, man, you're not my guy. See ya. And it took a lot of me like getting comfortable with myself. I also, you know, through my journey of like my entire last couple of years, I was oversharing like crazy online and I didn't have boundaries with myself. And that's when I got the most weird messages is because I wasn't clear on like, what is mine to keep? What is mine to share? And when I figured that out, then also a lot of that fell away. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So my favorite part about what you said was um, basically the, that you (laughs) figured out you actually like yourself. And that shifted like how you interact. Like that hit, that hit good. I hit, I like that. I'm going to take that nugget. And it's just, um, cause, cause the other thing I, like I observe obviously, right. You're on social media. So I watch, I watch people's like, um, platforms. I watch like their style of posting. So it's not even the content it's, it's how they post. And, um, it's, I think I'm in like a, a reflective or a observation state right now because I'm not actively trying to grow my, my business right now. And that's probably like the first time, well, this period of my life, right? Since I had my first son, I'm kind of like on hiatus raising children sort of a thing. And it's the first time probably in my life that I haven't been career oriented. So it's a really interesting phase to be in to be in the seat of like well how are you doing this or I see what you're doing here or like whatever this observation state and so so obviously I am doing this with discernment and judgment candidly so I'm watching people and I'm going like ooh that did not hit right or like I see what they were going for but it didn't quite work and so what I love about what you said is I'm going oh I feel like they're talking they're in the phase where you're talking about where they're doing the thing that's like halfway Like where they're doing the thing that's like, yeah, you're kind of being who you want to be or you're somewhat being who you want to be. And then seeing other people and going like, no, that hits, even if I don't like it. Like even if the content's not my style or whatever, it doesn't matter. I can still see the strategy beneath it, if that makes sense. And um, 
I just like kind of like that that all goes back to this like um it's a social media strategy but it really all goes back to who you are as a person like does that make sense Absolutely and that's exactly what I do with my clients like you nobody is selling something that is the only thing like every single person is selling something that people can get somewhere else and people hate hearing that but I'm like dude I could get your shit anywhere else like whether it's a physical product, I could buy it on Amazon. If it's a photographer, there's thousands and thousands of fucking photographers, like even within my vicinity. People don't hire me because I'm the only person out here with a camera. People hire me because my whole point is that I am willing to show my authentic self and actually be myself in my business. It gives them permission to be themselves in their business. And then when we make content, I'm going to show them how. Like you are the reason you started this business. You are you living inside of you and you is what makes you special. So why the hell would we make your content strategy about anything other than you? And people are like, whoa, mind blown. And I'm like, dude, this is like, this is the whole thing. Like if you're going to put all this effort into running a business, then make it something you like. And if you're going to put all this effort into posting stuff, make it something you actually believe. And it seems simple, but it's like the hardest thing for people because they don't want to be visible. It's super vulnerable to be visible as your actual self. You can show up with your fake Instagram feed all you want because in your heart, you know, if people don't like it, it's not actually you. But if you show up as your actual true raw self, it's exceptionally vulnerable if people don't like it. But it's also like 1000% where the magic happens in growing your business and in having a life you actually really fucking love. Do you have do you have anything that you've noticed like working with clients that um other than like what you just uh, I'm trying I'm seeing if I can chisel out my question here. So uh, basically what I want to ask I'm going to ask it but I th- feel like you just answered it and um, maybe it won't sound like I was listening. <laughs> but let me see if I can work through this question. Okay. So what I want to know is if there has been Okay, no, restart. Mel and I talk about how we will get these like, because uh, Mel and I do readings. So we will talk about how we'll get these kind of periods of time where there's almost this like collective unity within people where we are delivering. Obviously, they get a reading that's unique to them, but there's this collective undertone. And we find that fascinating because it, it for one, you're drawing people to yourself because obviously... Well, I shouldn't say obviously. I'm assuming Mel has this experience as well. But that collective undertone almost always applies to me too. Um, and so to me, it's kind of like going, you're in this same sort of pool with a bunch of other people. And it's like, yeah, we all need the same thing. So we found each other and we kind of like drew into this same whatever. And like we're buddies as we like go into the next pool or whatever. Um, do you find with your clients that you have like themes or like this kind of collective vibe or collective energy where you're kind of coaching them through similar hurdles or but on like a deeper level, not like a, you need to be authentic self. Like that is a deep level, but you know what I mean? Like basically I'm asking, but not to what you just said, but if there's another like collective theme that you've noticed or if it happens like that. Yeah, definitely. So I would say over the last little bit, it kind of seems to mirror a little bit, like kind of what I just went through. And maybe that's why people are drawn to me because I share what I go through. So they're like, Oh shit, I'm feeling that too. Like, And if she's willing to talk about it, then she's going to be able to help me. So I think the biggest thing right now that I'm seeing is, especially women, because I work mostly with women, um, is that they, they can get successful by just like 
true grit, like just getting through it. Like they can get successful and they got successful. And now they're like, okay, but at what cost? And now they're like, I want something deeper. I want something more. I know that I can push through, make myself do this and get successful, make the money. But now I want to like do something that matters to the world, something that like a legacy I want to leave for my kids or something that like really fills my soul. So I want to keep running a successful business, but it like, I want it to be more than that. Like I want it to be soul led. I want it to be heart led. Like they come to me and they know, like there's women in my groups who they're super successful in corporate. They are like making absurd amounts of money, but they're like, well, it's, it's, I want more than that. I want to like have my own thing. I want to make my own legacy. I want to build something that I can hand down something that I can look back on and be like, this mattered to me. And then they're coming to me because they're like, I know because of this, now I need to show myself online. And it's super, super hard. Like the actual thought of like, okay, make a post about you. Yeah. Okay. But even the most successful, badass, like entrepreneur or corporate women actually getting to that point of like posting the thing. It's like, they're absolutely freaking paralyzed by fear, by all sorts of things. And actually getting to that point is like, something they weren't expecting to be the hard part. And then it is. And they're like, oh, like even after we have a session, we make amazing content, them like actually getting to the, but now I have to like share it and be vulnerable. I'm like, yeah, you can do it. And it's, it's hard though. And I'm seeing this huge shift of people they want deep down to like it to be more, but it's very scary. And like taking the leap from like, I know I can push through, I know I can make money to, I want to do it in this way, but like making that jump is I think that's what every single focus of every client my last year has been. I want to, if I can digress off something you said real quick, because it just, um, it feels relevant as you're talking, I don't know, anyways, images, but um, I was dealing with a reading one time and she said, I'm really good at being vulnerable. My partner is not very good at being vulnerable. And I was like, okay. And I didn't, it didn't hit in the moment that she said it. I was, I didn't think anything of it. And then I'm doing the reading and like, it's as like, uh, it's hard to explain, but sometimes it's like, I hear the words coming out of my mouth as in like, they're two separate beings, like me listening and me talking are two separate things. And, um, and I was listening and I was hearing and I was like, Oh no, actually you're not good at being vulnerable. What you're good at is sharing your feelings because that's not hard for you. Like that's, so that's not vulnerability for you. That's vulnerability for some people. Sharing their feelings is, so vulnerability is anything that makes you feel exposed. Anything that makes you, because um, I guess what I'm trying to do is like take some of your information and I like know there's someone out there. I know that they're listening going like, yeah, but it's not hard for me. I just press post and I got it. And I'm like going, okay, let's like try to transmute this then. That's not vulnerable for you then. Vulnerability mm-hmm. is something you have to push through that makes you feel exposed, that makes you feel like like proverbially naked in front of a lot of people or that makes you feel like, basically it's like, look for where there's resistance in yourself. That's your vulnerability. Where there's fear, where there's fear of judgment, where there's fear of being called out, where there is... Um, like basically like kind of like hanging yourself on the edge and hoping that that like whatever net's going to catch you at the bottom or like that to me is like the the vulnerability piece. Absolutely. And everybody has a different thing that they're vulnerable about. So maybe it's like 
they're great at talking about money, but they're scared to show their face or the opposite. Like I would rather show my entire ass on the internet than talk about how much money I make. But that's exactly what I need to be talking about because more women need to talk about how much money they're making to normalize it and be like, yeah, you don't have to be a martyr. You don't have to rely on your partner. Like you need your own money. And people are like, well, you can't say that. I'm like, well, I'm gonna. So come at me. I think that that's like, so... I, like I love that you're leading that movement for a number of reasons, but one of them is that, that um, so I've uh, well again been hi- on hiatus, but I worked with the Rowan House, which is a women's shelter for for quite some time, and um, so just uh, what I end up learning about obviously is like a lot about domestic abuse and domestic violence, and there are so many instances where. If not most of them, I I think I even used to have statistics on this, but maybe I don't. Maybe I made that up. But I, there are so many instances where women can get stuck in violent, abusive, or just uncomfortable relationships because they don't have their own financial freedom. Like, and it was something I read, and I'm like very blessed to be in a very safe and healthy relationship. But I, I it was something I read recently, and I it just made me go, no, I this is something I. I want. I want to know that this is not. I'm not staying with my partner for financial, uh, for lack of a better word, financial convenience. Like I don't want to stay with my partner. I want to stay with my partner because I choose my partner. I want to stay with my partner because I love him. I want to stay with my partner because I'm committed to, you know, navigating this life with him. But not because I feel stuck with him. Not because I feel like I have to be with him. And so, even if, um, like we're all stepping into that like financial empowerment in the way that it's like, you know, then that you're making your choices. Like I like to basically be in this position and in like readings or just in general context is like, we should feel empowered in our lives. If there's a point where you feel like you can't do something, like you feel helpless, that's like, that's not it. Cause it's your, your life. You're the creator of your life. And as soon as you feel helpless in your life and you become like this, like, martyr in your life to me that's like when it all sort of um you lose touch with the purpose I guess I don't know if there is a purpose to life but I choose to believe that there is and um I just yeah that disempowerment thing just really hits up but that's a sense disempowerment is a trigger button for me in, in general. So I guess I shouldn't speak to it. Like it's a fact, it's a Tanya thing. We're going to own that as a Tanya thing, but still. Okay. Anyways. I think that's scene. a lot of people's <laughs> thing. Well, and that was like literally the reason that it took me what I felt like sh- too long to leave my marriage is because I didn't have any fucking money. I was terrified. I was like, I literally can't do this on my own. And I had to, and I did. And I had no plan. I didn't know. I was like, maybe we'll be homeless. I don't know. And I just balls to the wall, made it happen. And looking back now, I'm like, holy shit. I I can't believe I did that. But that's what held me back for so long. Like we both knew it wasn't right. We both knew it had to end. And it was harder on our family for us to stay together for the sake of that than to say, no, it's healthier if we can still be a whole family in separate houses than a broken ass one in one, but I didn't have any other options. And that's why I'm like, I don't give a shit how nice you think your husband is. You need your own money. 
because I had a nice husband, a very nice husband and things I could not predict happened and I needed my own money. And that's why my children get a hefty, hefty allowance because I want them to know now you have your own options. You want your own shit. You buy your own shit. You need to learn like, right. Like my daughter is four and she has a hundred dollars, right? Like, (laughs) so they, they need to know how to handle their own thing. I want, like you said, like if I ever have another relationship again, I want it to be because I want to, not because I need to. Like I've always joked, if I ever get married again, I want to reverse prenup. I want like a hundred thousand dollars in an account. That's like, if you want to leave, this is for you. <laughs> Never stay because of money. Like, I know maybe that sounds completely psychotic, but so many people stay in a marriage because of that or in any kind of situation, a business partnership, all sorts of things. Cause they think they don't have another option. And isn't it funny, like how caging finances can be? I'm trying to, um, I'm going to do this anonymously and, and pray that I have approval here, but I did a reading recently and, um, she's in a, in a situation where she, I think will be exiting the relationship. Um, and it's not for sure, obviously, but it was in, it came up. And of course, she's in this mindset of, okay, well, I need to get my poop in a group regarding finances, regarding logistics, regarding like, where am I going to live and what am I going to do and what am I going to do for work and what am I going to do for money and all this stuff. And it was really interesting because in the reading, I was like, I know that this is what you, what makes sense is to make all, like get all this organized and all this stuff and then cut this tie. And I said, but the way that it's coming through that you're supposed to do this is you're just supposed to cut this tie and then do those things. Like, it's like, it's trying to, you're doing this out of order, even though logically, practically, Tanya would tell you, yes, get like, get that stuff planned out. Like I would, as a human being, be like, that's smart. Of course, like that makes the most sense. Do that. But the reading coming through was like, no, don't do that. Just cut the tie and then see what happens. And that's that vulnerability free fall. Like that's that, you actually have to like, jump off the cliff to know you're going to be caught kind of a thing. And I think if you don't feel like your humanness is (laughs) what's going to keep you from jumping off the cliff. And I don't think you're supposed to just be like, I feel fearless. Like you should not be jumping off a cliff and feel nothing. Vulnerability is not this act of like, you shouldn't feel those fears. The whole point is addressing the fears, is facing the fears, is pushing through the fears, is like developing into the person that had those fears and did it anyway. Not the absence of those fears. And I think that that's another misconception is we see that these these people doing brave things. Like, so even maybe your situation, I won't obviously speak, obviously speak for you, but maybe you can speak to it. But like coming out of the closet, leaving your marriage, like there's lots of things here where maybe you saw other people did them and been, and you were like, oh my gosh, like I, they're so fearless or they're so brave or they have these qualities that I don't, but that's not it. They just did the thing. They had all those fears that you had. They had all those reservations. They had all those same things. So if someone's looking at you and going, oh, she just posts this content and it's, so amazing I could never or she's so this or she's so that and it's like well no she's she has all of those reservations or similar reservations or different reservations it doesn't matter but there was blockages that had to be penetrated in order to be what it is right now does that all make sense 
Absolutely. And that is true for all of the big leaps I've taken. Like firstly coming out, I was like, I have no idea. Like I was like, I literally can't. I was like, I would rather die. That was where I was at. I was like, I'd rather die than come out and ruin my marriage because I grew up religious. Everything was like so tied to that. My family, everything. I was like, my family's going to disown me. My husband is my best friend. My kids are going to be alone. Like I was like worst case scenario. And then it was like this, like bubbling. It was like word vomit. Like I couldn't not. And I just fucking said it. I was like, uh, plot twist. I'm fucking gay. And he was like, <laughs> what? And I was like, yeah, uh, didn't see that coming. Um, so that was obviously incredibly hard and horrible. And then I told my family and they're like, what the fuck? Except for my sister. She's like, yeah, well, I always knew. I was like, well, you could have told me before I got married. But anyways. Um, Which sister? I'm sorry. Oh, my sister, Alexis. Yeah, okay. So she fucking knew. And I was yeah. like, okay, um, so this is a thing. But then I was like, well, we can just stay married because we're best friends, right? Because like marriage is just a contract. It has nothing to do with love is what I thought. And then I was like, okay, well, this is terrible. Um, cause obviously major insecurity, it like threw everything off. Right. And then I was like, okay, so I have this business, but it's not really working. And obviously the old pandemic was hitting at that same time. So I was like, well, I need a job so that I can get my coupon in a group so that I can leave. And this was obviously the same track that that person you were talking about had got the job, hated the fucking job was like, I can't, I would rather die and stay married forever than do this job. Took the leap to quit the job before I knew I was ready. Just did it. Things started working out. I was like, okay, this is kind of working. Same with the ending the marriage. I was like, I need to have $10,000 saved. And then I'll say I need a divorce. I didn't. I just was like, no, I can't do it anymore. And I was like, I hired the divorce people. This is happening before I even knew how I was going to pay it. And then the money showed up. And then he was like, finally ready to say, yes, okay, I agree. And then he said, okay, well, now that we're getting divorced, I'm out. And he, he left. Like, I mean, obviously I don't want to dredge up things, but it was very sudden from like, no, I'm not ready to, I am gone. And this is all on you now. And I had all the bills for the house, everything with the kids, full-time parent by myself instantly. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? But I was like, I got to just do it. Same with hiring a business coach. I was like, I got to go all in on my business. I don't know exactly how I'm going to pay for all this, but I just did it. And every single time I took one of those huge, scary leaps, I thought I was going to physically die from the terror of it. But then on the other end of it, it was like, I was like, holy shit. Like if I would have done this five years ago, I'd be a fucking millionaire by now. Obviously that's not how it panned out. But I was like, every time, literally every time I do something that's so incredibly terrifying that I feel like this will end me on the other side of that is the biggest holy shit like my life is way better now than it was like even this christmas i'm like last christmas we weren't even sure like we were still fighting over if we were going to stay together or not this christmas finalized divorced in different houses my name has changed to my real name and it was the most beautiful christmas i've ever had because every single person in my family was themselves and there was this, yeah, murky a little bit, you know, different kind of family, but everyone could look around and be like, okay, I get to be me here. And like, for somebody who hasn't gone through that big transformation, it might be hard to like picture that. But I was like, like, I just was like, I cried with like happy gratitude because I was like, look at like all those things I thought were impossible. I did them. And not because I like suddenly got brave or I suddenly had a shit ton of money. Nobody like 
I used to daydream that like somebody would come and be like, okay, here's $500,000. And also like, here's an out for this. And here's an out for that. And like, I, it was like Santa Claus. I was like, if I get all of these things that will like make this perfect, then I'll do the thing. And none of those showed up and I did it anyways. And on the other side of it, I'm like, I can't believe I did that. And the other huge thing for that was my sobriety. I got sober. I'm almost at my one year sobriety because I realized I looked back and I was like, every time that I was like, I can do this. And then I got lonely and then I would drink and then I would go back to everything I knew before. And I was like, I got to stop that cycle. And when I cut out the drinking, then my mind was still like, oh no, we're going back. And I was like, no, we're not. Because I was clear headed enough to be like, we are keeping going. We're not doing one step forward, two steps back anymore. We're carrying on on this journey. And I think that's what made all the difference. That's like, okay. So many thoughts. I'm going to bring it down into one. Um, so sometimes when I'm talking to people um, in readings, the one that I, I pick up on a lot, this would be a theme I guess I've noticed in readings is, is, is kind of that is like getting people to kind of jump into like jump into the, take those terrifying leaps essentially. And so the, because I also <laughs> thematically wind up reading for a lot of people who would well, either they claim the the word or not, but uh, control freaks, basically. And it's, again, like attract like. Okay, so I end up reading for people who like control, and we have to basically figure out strategies to relinquish control. And something I like to do in readings slash life is normalize that the pursuit of control is not inherently negative. Like, I think that control freaks get a bad reputation for... um being control freaks like nitpicky and critical and perfectionist and like incessant and whatever i just feel like there's a lot of negative connotations that come with that territory and so the first thing i like to do is contextualize that control comes from a place of the pursuit of safety like so whether it was that you grew up in an environment that was chaotic and then you became an adult and now you rely on things being incredibly structured in order to feel safe because you're abandoning the chaos or it's the exact opposite you were grew up in a place where everything was controlled and now that is so familiar and habitual and like ground into your body that that's what you continue to create it's people are interesting how we this is actually what makes me sometimes feel better about parenting is understanding that no matter what your experience was you are going to transmute it through your own perspective anyways and it all gets distorted and all gets like weird and wiggy so now how matter how you remember your childhood it's not accurate it's still perception <laughs> so uh that's for all the parents out there even if you screw it up and even if you do it perfectly it doesn't matter because your kid is going to perceive it the way they perceive it um but anyways <laughs> uh so what i'll do with like control freaks is we end up talking about how to relinquish control in steps so here's what i want to do basically so someone's listening and they're like well i want to take a leap i want to take a jump um but I physically cannot like, you know, and so this, these, the strategy I got, got here is like, we'll call them like your arm floaties. Like, it's like, okay, like, let's give you like equip you with something and then you can jump in. Right. Like it's going like, I am going into a thrashing ocean. I'm probably going to die. Well, here's some arm floaties. I mean, they're not really going to do a lot, but it might make you feel better. Um, 
And so one of the things I'll do with uh, like strategies that has come up in a reading that I've offered to people, this is, and this has just come up thematically. And I have done this myself. I've, my husband has done it. Um, It's, I find it actually quite effective is to pick a period of time. Like, so um, it doesn't work exactly for like uh, your situation stuff. Anything that you've said, this might not be like a pair, like an apples to apples situation, but I still think it might be relevant, but is pick a period of time where you can do the thing. So for instance, um, if we're um, like, sometimes I get people to, uh, this sounds really counterintuitive. I get that. Okay. But sometimes I'll get people to, um, okay. Financially speaking, let's do this one. Uh, I'll say, just spend the money, just spend whatever amount of anything you see that you want or whatever you want to buy or whatever, like just buy all of it, but do this. And it'll make them freak out because they're like, Oh my God, but how, like I I go go in debt. I'll like, like, whatever they freak out because they're like, I can't just buy anything I want. Oh, this comes up with diet too, actually a lot body image. I'm like, just eat whatever you want. Like eat whatever you want to eat pizza. Great. Eat pizza. Do you want to eat like what, like eat whatever you want, spend whatever you want. And then they'll freak out. And I'm like, okay, then do it for a month. Cause you're not going to get obese in a month. You're not going to like lose your house in a month. Just do it for a month. So the arm floaties is like, just let it go. Like release control around this thing for a month. That's a that's a determined period of time, like a, a finite period of time. And then you can have your control back. But do it. And that's sometimes like an arm floaty. Like it's like enough that they jump off and they go, oh, and it's enough, you know, and it depends on what the content is. Uh, because Brinley did it for uh just under a year. Like the his uh, thing. Okay, so what is was okay, I'll share exactly. Um, and it was actually cool how it worked out. And of course I had to point it out to him cause he didn't notice, <laughs> but, um, he was going off and this is this helplessness, this disempowerment thing we were kind of talking about where this theme, like, I feel really triggered by this theme. Like I refuse to believe that I am helpless and disempowered in my own life. So when I notice it, I go, what's actually happening here? So when other people come in and they're like disempowered in a, a something, it's like, okay, what's actually happening here? It's probably a shifting opportunity. So with Brinley, what was happening was he's like, I'm stuck in my job. I am helpless. I am disempowered. I am, I, I have to be in this job because there's not going to be any other job that pays me this much money and I can do these things. And what he was wanting at that time is he's like, I want to be home every night. Like, I don't want to be traveling. He was traveling for 20, sometimes like a month and a half at a time. Like, um, and then he'd be back for a week or so. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. And he's like, I don't want to raise kids like this. I want to be there like with you and with the kids. Like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go away for a month at a time. And so I said, okay, I I believe this to be possible. I believe you can find a job where, you know, he's like, nope, these kinds of jobs don't exist. I won't make this much money, blah, 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 whatever. And so I said, okay, well, let's pretend it's possible. Let's imagine. Delusion is a very important part of manifestation. (laughs) Um, And so it's like, let's pretend it's possible. And I was like, pick a day. Pick a date that you need this job by. And so he's like, so we did this. And he very big he's like manifestation is stupid it doesn't work and i don't fully disagree with him i do think there are some shitty manifestation techniques out there um 
he's like, you can't just will something and then just do nothing about it. And then it just happens. And I was like, well, you know, kind of, you're right. But anyways, so this was, I think this was around December and he had by October the next year, a job that paid him the same amount, slightly less, but not really. It just, that was again, contextual based on overtime and stuff. The new job didn't have the overtime, but the long-term potential would be greater. Um, he was home. Like it was like, I say nine to five, of course, like whatever, seven to three, eight to four, whatever it is. But he has like this, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday job. He's home every night making approximately the same amount of money. And he had it by October the next year because he chose to like relinquish that, that like relinquish the belief, relinquish the control of like finding or the, you know, pigeonholing into this one Anyways, um, and so it was, but it was when we made the agreement, I don't know if I said this because I am telling this all disjointed, but we made the agreement that a year, he was going to wait a year. So if this doesn't, if this job doesn't happen within this year, I then I don't believe this thing. And I was like, okay, that's fair. Because you're giving, you're also like giving enough time for the opportunity. So that's what I mean by contextually. With, if you're going to put your arm floaties on, you have to make the finite time period of releasing control or whatever you're doing. You have to actually give it the proper amount of time for that specific thing. So if it was food, a month, sure. A month is fine. It was a week going to do anything? No, because you're probably just going to like be like crazy and eat all the cookies and all the pizza for a week. And then you're going to like, see, it didn't work. Because <laughs> a week's not long enough. You have to do six weeks for for food, I would say. Even a month is like, mm, maybe. It, it will work in a month, but six weeks is better. Um and same with money. It's like, no, like, actually, can you just trust that it's going to, you know, show up? Anyways, totally. that's, my, that's my thought. Sorry. I hope it wasn't too, too digressive. I did. I think I warned you, right? We go in lots of different directions on this one. <laughs> Absolutely. And I feel like the thing when you want to make like a lot of changes in your life, like if it's one thing, you can be like, okay, I'm totally going to release it. But for me, I was like, I want to change like everything, like my whole life needs to change. So what the fuck am I going to do? Like just release control of everything. Like that felt too insane. So for me, like the arm floaties was like learning to trust myself. Like I now am a person who keeps my promises to myself because like everything, it started with really small things and then it got bigger and bigger and bigger. But every time I made a promise to myself, I kept it, even if it took longer than I thought. Um, that was like, for me, the arm floaties, because I'm like, now I know if I take a big risk, I can take care of myself because I proved it to myself. And it doesn't actually matter what the next, next risk is going to be. I know that I can do it because now I don't know. Like before I had like a list of 10 things. I'm like, these are the 10 terrible, terrible, scary things I have to do. And now I don't have a list like that. And I'm like, that's almost scary too. Cause I'm like, well, what's the next scary thing? I have no idea. It's going to be a surprise. And that's even scarier, but I know that I keep my promises to myself. Like you said, like I had to just start trusting myself even before I believed it. I was like, I can take care of myself. My mom's like, no, you can't. Absolutely. You can't. I'm like, no, but I can. And yeah, just like through time it builds up because I bet you the next thing that he tries to do won't feel as scary because he already knows like, oh, okay. Yeah. You're right. I can change my mind. So this, what this reminds me of is another analogy that thematically comes up and it's inspired by your sister. So I really like the tie here. Um, so uh, I think I, I have a reading with her. Maybe we were just having a chat. I don't remember, but uh, I was talking to Jolene and 
the analogy that came up, and I've actually used it since then because it was her analogy. And then I just took it and ran with it because it was just genius. But, oh, she was in my tarot course. That's what it was. Okay, so um, when we go through the tarot course, there are cards that come up in tarot that people are just... Like they're yucky cards. So people will see them, whether the imagery is more dark or they just look unpleasant or they have a name like death or devil and it like freaks people out, whatever. But my approach to tarot is that there is no bad, there are no bad cards, there are no good cards. It is information and information is inherently neutral, which means your reading is all neutral. It's just going to describe to you the general human experience of life. Now, yes, it will relay because the human experience is vast and diverse that there are great things and there are, you know, some uncomfortable things. And so, yes, some of those cards are trying to communicate that there are uncomfortable things. Now, one of the cards that gets like a bad rep and for control freaks is like the worst card you can get <laughs> is called the tower. And, and the reason it sucks for control freaks is because the tower is unexpected usually. So um, the tower represents a big change. Um, and I read reversals. Not everybody does. But when the tower comes up for me, if it comes up upright, this is it coming through as a an unexpected and radical shift. If it comes up inverted, then it's more anticipated. So when tower comes up upright, I'm always like, oh, no, no, I don't. I don't want it. I don't want an unexpected shift. I don't want something to happen that I don't like that I didn't choose. Um, and so the analogy that Jolene came up with that was just like, oh, genius, was it being like a kitchen renovation. Because at the time she was renovating her house uh, when we did this course. And she's like, it's a disaster. Like, it's a disaster in here. Everything's a mess. But she's like but it's going to look really nice. <laughs> and so now I, I just like, I totally lean into this. It's like, you can't have two kitchens in your house. It, it just doesn't make sense. And you're not going to have two kitchens. If you are fantasizing about this kitchen with beautiful cupboards and new hardware and this beautiful sink and all this stuff, you're fantasizing about that. And you're like, I really want that. So then the universe comes in and is like, ah, I see your wish list here. You want this new kitchen. Cool. And then the universe comes in with a sledgehammer and blows out one of your kitchen cabinets. And you're like, whoa, whoa, no, wait, what's happening? Stop. Stop! Don't do that. And the universe is like, "Oh, would you? But I, you said, but I saw that you wanted this kitchen. Like you, okay, okay. I will." And so they they back off, and there's no more sledgehammer. And then you're sitting there thinking, you're like, "Man, I really want this kitchen. I really want this." So the universe is like, "Gotcha!" And they come in and they blow out another kitchen, and you're like, "Stop! You're wrecking my kitchen. What are you doing?" Meanwhile, if you just understood, like this is to me, this is what readings do is they bring context to your experiences. I'm not going to tell you everything you're feeling or going through is amazing and you should be grateful. I'm going to go, ah, yes, I see what you're going through is really hard. Here's why it's happening. Like you get a bigger picture because if you knew that the universe was coming in and wrecking your life because it's going to serve you something amazing then you'd probably be like, okay, brace for impact. And like, you know, like just, you know, get your broom and kind of just sweep up so it doesn't flood into the living room, whatever, you know? So it's kind of like you cannot get your new kitchen without tearing out your old one. And yes, that's going to be messy and it's going to be hard and you're going to have to order takeout for a week or, you know, whatever. I don't know what's going to have to happen during that period of time, but it has to happen because you can't put up another kitchen in your house. 
It doesn't make sense. So um, usually when this analogy comes in and, and we talk about it, it, it all of a sudden you can see this person's body like visibly shift, like just visibly go, okay, okay, I accept. I accept the sledgehammer. I accept the destruction. And sometimes they even pick up their own sledgehammer and be like, well, fuck it. And, you know, start tearing out the things themselves. And I feel like that's what you did. You held the sledgehammer like you by choosing and you had to renovate every room in your house. It's kind of, so I'm I think I burned it down. I just lit a <laughs> fucking match. I was like, fuck it. I'll grab the kids. We're burning this. We're starting from scratch. <laughs> so you go through like, you know, yeah, you lit your match or you're, you got out your sledgehammer. Either way, there was, you just, you, and then, but if, you, again, if you are fantasizing about a castle, you can't do it without knocking over the shed first. Like it, it, you get this one plot of land. This is your life. This is your, this is who you incarnated. This is your Stephanie. This is your Tanya. This is your, who you are. You get that plot of land. You can't just like jump into someone else's life. That's not going to happen. You are going to have to go through. So that's when I see the tower now, I kind of go, okay. And I <laughs> wait for the sledgehammer. <laughs> and then I know that there's a kitchen reno like on the other side of it. The other reason this analogy hits so hard for me is my dad. I grew up, my dad um, renovated houses and he's very good at it. And, um, and I know what those before afters can look like. They're so satisfying. Actually, it reminds me, I need to see the after of your daughter's room. Like I'm invested. So is yeah, it, I just, yet? Is it done? Yeah, I just did it. I was totally thinking about this exact analogy. I was thinking about the bedroom though, because I pulled everything out and like, it was like a disaster in here, like an absolute disaster. I like ripping things out. I was like patching walls and everything. And I was like, okay. So I feel like the last couple of years have been like, so 2020 was like when all the shit came out of the room. And then 2021 was like when it was like half painted and there was like, I was still sorting through like, what do we keep in? What are we not? And then this year is now the room. Like I'm like looking at it like, oh, it's so pretty. But I know in five minutes, the kids are going to be in here. Now we're going to test out what living like this new room is like. And we're going to have to make adjustments, right? Like that moment that people are waiting for, like of the one picture, like I took the picture. The kids aren't home yet. They're going to be home soon. I took the picture of what it looks like now. It won't ever look that nice again right? When people in their head, they're like, they want that one picture. But like, if you renovate it, then you start using it, which is awesome, but it doesn't look that nice. Like it gets messy and like, you have to like then live in it. And people are like, no, it's going to be this picture. Perfect. I'm like, no, dude, it's not like, even if you get your dreams, you still have to live inside them. And it's like, people don't, that's a quotable. Uh, Let's all just yeah. take that. That one's going on your website. <laughs> Perfect. But that's the thing is like, so then build fucking dreams you can live in, right? Like, don't be unrealistic. Like I see Pinterest things of like picture perfect white everything. I'm like, that's not realistic for me. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's pretty to look at, but that's not something I want to live in. Your house and, is pretty to look at though. I, I have a house envy when I see your picture <laughs> oh. and I'll like take little, like, I'm like, jo Jolene too. You guys must all have like Libra risings or Libra placements or something. Cause like it's like, Libra Libra. So it's, it's all about oh. The good you're just here. supposed to make things beautiful that's always I, I found out that jolene was a libra rising i was like yeah checks out like it mm. totally makes sense because <laughs> uh, she makes things beautiful too and i'm just so mediocre at making things beautiful i need you guys to come over and help me that's i i you know what i've had luck with though is making things witchy i'm like no i can make the <laughs> 
when I go with the intention of making my house witchy, it, then it looks nice, which is weird because just just changing. If I go in with the intention of looking nice, it looks weird. If I go in the intention of looking witchy, it looks nice. <laughs> well, I always pick like the feeling I want. Like my bedroom, I love my bedroom because it's the feeling I want. I'm like, I want to come in here and feel safe and it's clean and it's nice. And it's like, this is my space. But like I started with the feeling, not like with a Pinterest board, which is how I started changing my life too because I'm like the Pinterest board didn't really work but I knew I wanted to feel free I don't know why I want to feel like myself and that's what I followed okay that's, that's a probably- good nugget too because and I'm only piggybacking on this because of this exact same thing is I tried to do that I tried to like change make changes in my home that it's like well other people did this and it looked nice in their house or whatever and I, I, it would just look stupid in my house or I just didn't, I don't know. It just didn't work. But as soon as I was like, I just want this space to feel magical or I just want this space to feel like, so this room that I'm in right now, I was like, I want you to walk in and feel like you are in like a witch's cottage at midnight. Like that's what the vibe. Okay. You walk in. I'm like, I'm going to put moss on the fucking ceiling. Like it's going, I want you to feel like you are in the woods and I love this room. It's a mess right now. But in general, like this room makes me so happy. It's not complete yet either. I do need to actually put moss on the ceilings because I'm going to fully do this. But um, but it is the vibe thing is real. So same with upstairs. I was like, okay, now I know what my vibe is. And of course, budget. I got to like slowly build my vibe. But I at least know. And I feel like incrementally I get like in little steps closer and closer to my, you know, the vibe, if you will. Okay. Well, I think we should leave it at that. Do you have anything you want to leave with or is there anything that feels like unsaid? I don't think so. Okay. Well, what I would like to know is if I would like to follow you and I don't follow you on social media, can you tell me your Instagram handle? Uh, Westrose Media. Perfect. That is and me. Uh, website? Uh, www.westrosemedia.com. Oh, you made it so easy. That's so clever. Um. And Steph regularly teaches like workshops and courses and all sorts of things. So if you feel like if you need arm floaties in regards to working with Steph (laughs) and you just not sure about making a leap for one-on-one coaching or a one-on-one session, I feel like a workshop is a great arm floaty opportunity. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. All right. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Spiritual Boss Podcast. Um, Feel free to reach out with comments, questions. We really love to hear from people um, and knowing that people are listening. It's such a cool thing. Um, You can reach us at Spiritual Boss Podcast on Instagram or email us spiritualbosspodcast at gmail.com. Peace in, peace out.